0: Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm the podcast announcer. In his sermon, A Prayer-Hearing God, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Hence, we may learn how highly we are privileged, in that we have the highest revealed to us, who is a God that heareth prayer. The podcast aims to exhort, encourage, and explore how to enjoy that privilege to the utmost. Edwards then also says a God who delights in mercy and is rich unto all that call upon him. Join Fred as we unpack, as you groovy young people say these days, the nurturing of our growing, biblical, dynamic, and soul-satisfying communion with God Almighty.
1: Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the podcast host. This little devotional has taken a a little bit of a turn than what I had planned. We are calling it, Believers are Saints, but not Perfect Saints, because the subject of the passage we're going to look at was far from perfect, although he is a, was a believer, is in heaven right now. And we've touched on this passage before. Right now, at this point in my life, with being retired, I have not only the time to work with people, but I also have the emotional freedom. I'm not tied up with the emotional things that took up much of my energy when I was on the job. And so I have more freedom, which is awesome. And I have been working with more people on well, two issues, basically. One is just depression. You guys know, I've mentioned this before, that I struggled in my life with depression. Not so much anymore because of what God has done, but I have struggled with it. And then also, I know several people right now who are facing things in their life that they never thought they would face, and they are sad, and it is scary. And in fact, all of us can could actually testify to that, couldn't we? for the last couple of years. And so I'm able to work with them and it's a very bittersweet time in my life. It's bitter because I know the pain. I know the pain of struggling with depression. I know the pain of not knowing what's going on and asking God to help. Many of the people that I talk to at this point are expressing to me almost verbatim the exact words that I spoke to God years ago in the midst of depression. And it hurts, I know that pain. I also know, as actually we all do, the pain of having circumstances in our lives which we never thought we would face and wondering what God is doing and what is going to become of me and my family in these circumstances. And it brought to mind a particular passage that we're going to look at in Genesis, like I said, that we've looked at before. And as I was reading in First Peter recently, I saw again that Peter talked about in that little book repeating things he had told the people he's writing to. And he said to, him, "For me, to say those same things to you is no bother to me, and it is for your edification. And as we come back to this passage, I, I feel the same way in the same kind of light. It's not a bother for me to talk about this again, and we all need reminded. And prayerfully, this will help because the passage we're going to talk about has become, for me, a tool taught by the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to use in every single circumstance and to use in the exercise of my faith. Faith is a gift. We have what we have. Romans says we're each given a measure of faith, but we are asked by God, I believe, to carry out that faith. And this passage we're going to look at from Genesis 42 is one of those tools that he has given me to use for many, many years now. But we are tempted to look at the saints we see in the Bible and to think that they were perfect and put them up on pedestals, perhaps would be the best way to put it. And to minimize, as we do as human beings, with everyone we like, we minimize their failures and we inflate, overinflate their positive qualities. Or their righteousness and that is not good for Christians it's not good on a couple reasons I recently heard one talk show person talking about Jacob's deceit of his father to get the blessing now this man is of a heritage that that would do just that that would look at the Old Testament Saints and minimize their sins and maximize their perceived righteousness And he sort of has to do that because I have heard him say that his works are going to save him. So when you come to someone like Jacob, who he defended in his deceit of his father, that's a pretty natural thing because, again, for his own peace right now, even though the Bible is clear that our works aren't going to save us, but for his own peace, he has to find and overinflate the best of Old Testament saints like Jacob to overinflate their righteousness and to minimize their failures like i said for us christians though it is dangerous to do that and it's dangerous for a couple of reasons because if jacob was not a sinner in this way and he didn't he he bore the guilt of lying to his father we know that from scripture we can see that in scripture but when we do that when we minimize their sins the sins of jacob in this case for instance It takes away from the glory of God. If he wasn't lying and he wasn't with evil intent deceiving his own father by his actions and his words, then when God brings him into the fold, Jacob would get the glory, not God. God's forgiveness wouldn't actually be forgiveness, it would be something Jacob earned. And so God's glory in forgiving such a sinner is taken away. Whatever Jacob did, he was deceiving his father. And when God forgives him, and when God brings him into the fold, and when God promises to be his God, it is pure mercy and grace that does that. Jacob didn't earn anything. We take away glory from God when we, or when we do minimize the sins of the biblical characters that we read about. And it actually could have led to very great pride in the life of Jacob. We see in Luke seven forty-seven that Jesus says this. He's talking about Mary. And he says, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. So when we minimize the sin sins of saints in the Old Testament and the New, we still glory from God and we give them reason for boasting when there is no reason for boasting. So that's the first, we take away from glory from God, and we give glory to ourselves when we minimize the sins of the Old Testament saints. Secondly, we take away the the reality that when we sin and feel the guilt of that sin, there are two normal fleshly options. One is we're overwhelmed by grief, or we justify ourselves, and if we minimize the sins of the biblical characters, it's much easier to justify ourselves. Just like with this guy and Jacob, we could give ourselves tons of reasons for why we sin the way we sin and justify ourselves in it. And if we could justify his deceitfulness, we can justify ours. But more importantly, for the sincere maturing Christian, we get overwhelmed with our guilt, and if we look at the saints in the Bible as perfect, our discouragement in our sins will be multiplied exponentially. All we have to do is read Hebrews 11 and all those men and women who are commended there and then read about their sins in the Old Testament and we see that their lives are a witness to their sins. And we are encouraged that if they are in heaven, forgiven, justified by God's grace, We are justified by God's mercies, the faith that He's given us. The perfection of their work and their characters is not the reason they're in heaven, and it's not the reason we're going to be in heaven. So when we look at David and Jacob, we have hope that even though we sin, we know we're going to be in heaven because God has given us those examples. So again, the danger in looking at the saints as perfect saints from the Bible, is we take away glory from God, and we give ourselves glory, or we condemn ourselves, and we may even boast. So God gets the glory when he forgives sinners continually, like he did. And we live by faith, taking courage from those sinners who've gone before us. That great cloud of witnesses was a great cloud of sinners, which brings us to our devotional If you want, you can turn to Genesis 42, and it follows throughout the book of Genesis that the loss of Joseph obviously impacted Jacob's life negatively for the rest of his life. You know the story. Jacob, sold into slavery by his brothers, becomes, after his trial, second in command to the pharaoh of Egypt and in control of the food distribution. His brothers came to him He wanted to see his little brother Benjamin, so he held Simeon hostage and told the other brothers, you don't get any more food unless you bring Benjamin back. I'm going to keep him here. I'm going to keep Simeon here until you get back. When he got home, and if you'll remember by the way, on the way home, the brothers looked into their sacks, and not only did they have the food that they purchased, they got their money back, but when they told Jacob what had happened, his response was not the response of a man exercising faith. He didn't rejoice that they got their food. He didn't rejoice that they got their money back. He didn't rejoice that they all came back safely except for Simeon. He didn't speak forth in faith of how God was going to take care of them in the future because of what he had just done. He responded with a lamentful cry. Genesis forty-two thirty-six. You probably know this and their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, Simeon is no more, and you would take Benjamin. All things are against me. I believe that lament came from the fact that he had been so affected by the evidence of Joseph's death that he was a broken man. And so today, as we come to this episode, I know God's will is mysterious. Much of the time, it's mysterious. And we all have terrible sadness in our past, and maybe terrible sadness right now. And we've all had tragedy in our lives. And we are all tempted to say, Joseph is no more, Simeon is no more, and Benjamin has no future. So the past is awful, the present is awful, and the future is going to be awful. That's what this man of faith in that moment said. As I have been a Christian, alive in Christ now for much longer than before my salvation, I am more and more convinced that walking by faith, believing his promises, gives us the perspective opposite of the pessimism shown by Jacob here and it spurs us to pray in faith. And our devotional here actually turned into a prayer, a sincere prayer from my soul using the outline of Jacob, but confessing and praying the truth to God. What we're going to do next is pray in opposition to Jacob's words, "'You have bereaved me of my children, Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. And we are able to pray it. If you don't have experience on your side at this point, we have, and you and I have, ample biblical evidence that we can pray in the face of terrible, scary times like this. So you might bow with me right now as we pray. Holy God, as is my habit, I do thank you for this beautiful day. I do praise you for the reality of our faith and the reality of your word. And Lord, we are all tempted to say, Joseph is no more. And there are things in our lives, Lord, that we have lost. And those things are gone forever. But there is waiting for us an eternal weight of glory. And that eternal weight of glory, we cannot right now fully comprehend but it is true because thou hast promised it. I will not see my earthly father again in this pilgrimage, the path that you have set before me. My faithlessness in the past and my sins have rightly and for the rest of my life tainted my reputation in the eyes of many. My failures in finance are true and they have only been overcome by thy grace and thy mercies. Sweet Jesus, I can look back and I don't like the weaknesses of my life, but I know that thou hast used them, holy God, for thy eternal purpose. And everything that I have lost and everything that I will never see again in this life, they are nothing compared to being broken and transparent wholly forgiven, wholly sorrowful for my sin in thy presence. And even now in prayer, because of the humiliation that thou hast designed in my life and brought to this lowly slave of yours, I have prayed the prayer, turn thy gaze away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more in the depth of my sorrow, in those times when I wanted to go home more than anything. Turn thy gaze away from me, that I may smile again, is what I prayed. And I am now privileged by thy holy mercies and thy providence and those trials that we've talked about to indeed smile again. You brought that to pass before my earthly life has ended I am smiling again. Everything I once treasured, I now know is trash. And by thy power, those things will never again trouble my soul for want of them. Thou art my all in all. Thank you, holy God, for the past. And sweet Lord Jesus Christ, I do not know where Simeon is now, and as I pray with my brothers and sisters, I don't know what is hurting them right now. I don't know what is making them sorrowful or afraid, but I know certainly that thou hast worked in the past, and thou art working right now. Holy God, I have confessed over and over again, sweet to Jesus, the sickness that has been wrought in our world the last couple of years. I don't like it wherever it comes from, however long it's going to last, I don't like it. Lord Jesus, you know from my soul that I am sorrowed and frightened by the death throes of my culture. I never imagined seeing it, and I don't know how these days have come upon us so quickly, and I know I'm not alone, yet I do know thy promises. Thou hast told Habakkuk that you are doing something in our days, that you would not believe if you were told. And you are working that way right now in my culture, even in the world. As Habakkuk continued, Thou art from everlasting, O God. Thou art my God, my Holy One. We will not die without hope. Thou hast appointed judgment on his culture then and on my culture now. And Thou, O Rock, Thou hast established these times to correct Thine eyes are too pure to approve evil, and thou canst not look on wickedness with favor. But thou, O Lord, art in thy holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before thee. I thank you also, Lord Jesus, that in this present circumstance, in these present sorrows, in this present sickness, thou hast told your church. Peace I leave with you, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And on the night of the most tragic moment in the history of the universe, it can easily be said, As you were talking to your disciples, you told them as you tell us, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. O Holy God, make us students of your word so that we know in our heart, minds, and with all our strength, what thou hast spoken to us, and that we believe you and that our joy, even right now, is full because we know thee. Holy God, I present to thee all my present hurts, all the hurts of your church Everywhere in the world, we present our confusion and our fear, and we say, We will walk boldly with thee, for thy calling and thy promises are sure. Holy God, just like in the life of Jacob, when everything we see right now brings us that fear and trembling sometimes, we know that when all is said and done, Thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power, and in faithfulness thou wilt show thyself to be loving, kind, just, and the justifier of all those who have faith in thee, and that will be evident through everything thou art doing right now. Thank you, Jesus, that the past is not terrible. The the past has accomplished your will, and the future is not terrible. The future is accomplishing your will right now. And sweet Jesus, for all those concerns, like Jacob and his son Benjamin, calm our hearts and help us to remember that Benjamin is safe. As thou hast worked in us, thou wilt work in him, in our future. We know thee, the only true God, and Thou holds the future, whatever befalls us, even in the days to come. We know that Thou wilt cause great joy. And as right now, we are sowing in tears. The day will come, Lord, when we will eternally rejoice in Thy righteous harvest. Thou hast planned it before the foundation of the world, and we know it will come to pass. I will say once more with thy household, with thy slaves, that we will live by faith and display to the evil systems, to the haters of God, to men and angels, that there is a God in heaven. And we will by faith kiss the hand that afflicts and that will afflict, and that all thou art doing now and will do in the future, for all thy people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will produce eternal salvation through the gospel and through the blood of Christ. And it will produce in us the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And it will do that until you return. Everyone who loves the sight of your coming is being matured into that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Holy God, we call out with Jeremiah Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since thou hast laid it on him. Let us all put our mouth to the dust. Perhaps there is hope. O Lord, we know there is hope. We give our cheeks to the smiter. We are content with being filled with reproach, for thou, O Lord, will not reject forever. We know that if you cause grief, then you will have compassion according to your abundant loving kindness. Holy God, in the in our new inner man from the inside out, we know that you do not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. We present all this to you, Lord Jesus, past, future, and present, and we entrust all these things to thee. To the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, the Savior of our souls, belongs all praise and honor and glory from this time forth and forever. Amen. Be blessed, my family in Christ. Joseph, your past is not eternally dead. Simeon is not dead now. God is working. And Benjamin is a picture of the goodness of God that he has in our future. Together, let's keep seeking God in our prayers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. We are praying God uses this episode in some way to encourage your communion with the Holy Savior to sustain your soul. Fred wanted me to tell you he's sorry if you've tried to contact us through Facebook or Twitter. His quote to me was, I don't understand either my Facebook page or Twitter. You can still contact us at range Prayer at gmail.com and Instagram is still Free Range Ministries if you'd like to contact us there. I'm Richard Durrington and still available at DurringtonR at gmail.com or visit richarddurrington.com. And until next time, we will pray for one another.